so here's kind of the deal. Uh, over the past few weeks, man, I have just been wrestling with a lot of stuff and um, just really felt like God kind of spoke and, and said, James, it's time to put the brakes on some things and we just need to get back to some basic stuff. And um, here, here, I'll be real honest with you. I, I have no idea. I mean, I kind of have an idea of what I'm going to say tonight because I've put together a whole message. But um, I, even since I've got here, I feel like God's shifting and changing things. Um, here's what I know. If you guys can't get what we're talking about tonight and what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, um, I, I don't know what else to say to you as your student pastor. Like, here's the thing. I, I said this in the green room and I'll say it. I, I wasn't planning on saying it, but if you can't get what we're going to talk about tonight, one of two things is going to happen, okay? Like, if we can't take what I'm going to talk about and put it into practice, you're either going to get so annoyed with me over the next several weeks because it's all I'm going to be talking about. You're going to either get so annoyed that you're either going to start doing it or you're just going to probably leave. And I hope you don't leave. Like, I hope that you stay and that you're a part of what I believe we're going to see God do. Guys, I'm telling you, I've been praying stupid prayers, silly prayers. Like, I'm just ready for God to do something in our midst. I'm ready for God to do something using all of us that we have never seen in this area before, that we've never seen in our schools before. And I just feel like God won't quit bothering me about it. And so, um, again, I have no idea. I, I, okay, let's just do this. Let's get our Bibles out. Um, let's turn open to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We'll just see what happens here. Um, Mark chapter 2. These verses are not going to be on the screen. Just read this with me, okay? This is one of the things that changed, so that's why it's not up here. Um, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13, okay? I want you to read these verses. Here's Jesus. He's out beside the Sea of Galilee. He's teaching a crowd of people. Um, at this point, he has cast demons out of people. He's healed lepers. Um, he's healed a paralyzed man whose friends brought him to a house where Jesus was, and they lowered him through the roof. You remember that story? All this stuff has happened, so these people are starting to hear about this guy, Jesus. So Jesus is out beside this lake. All these people are following him and here's what mark says in chapter 2 verse 13 it says he went out beside the sea again all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching and as he passed by he saw levi the son of alphaeus sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and he followed him so again, here's the scene. Jesus walking beside the Sea of Galilee. All these people are following him, listening to what he has to say. And it's almost like in the middle of him teaching, Jesus goes, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Um, Levi, Levi, the tax collector. Tax collectors back in this time, they were like thieves. They, they were hated. They were scum of the earth. They were outcasts in society. They were nobodies. Everybody hated them. And so here's Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, this religious man. He, he puts the brakes on his teaching, and he goes, hey, you, you guy Levi, who's also um, Matthew, the disciple of Jesus, Matthew or Levi, um, dude, I know nobody here likes you, and, and maybe they have good reason, but dude, why don't you quit what you're doing and just come follow me? 
Like, come be a part of what I'm doing. In the Bible, it's crazy. The Bible says, this dude, he didn't question. It wasn't like, well, let me call my wife and see if she's cool with me quitting my job first, right? It it wasn't any of that. It was just the guy got up, he stood up, and he followed him. And, And here's where the story goes on. Let's read verse 15. It says, as he reclined at the table in his house, so Jesus somewhere convinced Matthew, Levi, he goes, Dude, I know um, you just started following me. Can we go to your house and let's take all these people with us? Like, I'm kind of hungry. You got food, right? Call your wife up. Um, or maybe it was something else other than calling. I don't know they had phones. But, you know, get a hold of your wife. Tell her we're coming. Fix some food. Get it on the table. We're about to be there. So the Bible goes, Jesus is at his house, and they are reclining at the table, and many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, these are the religious people, the churchy people, the people who thought that having a relationship with God was nothing more but following a bunch of rules and trying really hard to be good. It says these people saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, and they looked at Jesus' disciples who were there, and they're going, are you kidding me? Like seriously, why is he eating with those People, And I love what the Bible says because Jesus doesn't even give his disciples time to answer. Jesus heard it himself, and so he speaks up, and here's what he has to say. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but instead it's those who are sick. And he, here's the key verse. Jesus goes, listen, I came... Not to call the righteous, but sinners. Here's what I love about the story. The story shows us that God, God wrapped in flesh, Jesus, the God-man, he came to this earth for one purpose, and it was to live his direction in the lives of those who needed salvation. Like Jesus right here said, listen, dude, I showed up on the scene for the people who needed hope. I showed up on the scene for the people who were the broken down, those who felt unworthy, those who felt like they were on the outside for the spiritually sick, for those that you religious people wouldn't accept. Those are the people that I came for. And if you read this book, you find story after story after story after story of Jesus constantly living his life in the direction of those who needed salvation. Now, here's the thing. Jesus expected the same type of life from the men who were following him. You see, it didn't just stop with him. It wasn't Jesus looking at his 12 disciples and going, hey, I'm going to go live my life in the direction of this lost person, this leper, this prostitute, these tax collectors, these sinners. You stand back over there and watch, right? It it wasn't anything like that. In fact, if you look at this story in Mark chapter 2, guess who were in the middle of the tax collectors and the sinners with Jesus? His boys. They were right there with him. And why? Because the one, Jesus, who in Luke 19.10 says he came to seek and save those who are lost. He expects his followers to live lives that are about seeking and saving those who are lost. That was the purpose of Jesus coming into the world. And that is the purpose of your life and mine if we are his followers. Um, 
If you don't believe me, here, here's what we're going to do. Flip over just a couple of pages backwards to Matthew 28. And I'll prove it to you. Matthew 28, literally just a couple of pages backwards. Jesus has already died, right? A, a lot of times you hear the stories of Jesus' death and resurrection and we get Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus ascends into heaven. The part that a lot of people forget about is this. Jesus did die, Jesus did rise again, but then Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, walked around on the earth for about 40 days. And he made himself visible and known, and he spoke to over 500 eyewitnesses. And while he was here those 40 days, he said some things, okay? And what we're about to read in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, were his final instructions that he gave his followers, his disciples. And I want you to listen to what he had to say. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Guys, this is one of those verses in the Bible where you don't have to wonder what's trying to be communicated, right? I mean, you don't have to open it up and read it and go, man, I wonder what Jesus was trying to say. This verse, it's about as easy as it gets. Jesus is looking into the face of the people who have been following him, and he's saying to them, live your lives in the direction of those who need my salvation. I just died and rose from the grave, and there are people who need me to do something supernatural in their lives. You take this message of what just happened to those people. If you're my follower, your life should be about one thing, making me known to the people who need to know me. Get up, go out, make disciples. That is the purpose of your life. So let me hit the pause button here for a minute. Here's where God's been bothering me a lot lately, okay? At the beginning of this year, I shared with you guys um, that within 10 miles of this church, there are over 23,000 unchurched students. Within 10 miles of this church, 23,000 unchurched Students And guys, I have not been able to quit thinking about this, have not been able to quit praying about this. It has been annoying me, bothering me, and here's why. Because I believe that we have not done anything hardly at all to go out and reach these kids. And maybe you go, James, how in the world can you say that? Here's how. Because I'm convinced that if we were serious about reaching those students who are lost and unchurched, <laughs> that this place would be full of students every night on their face, worshiping the one who saved them because you took Jesus to them. And guys, it's just bothered me. And, and here's the deal. Maybe it's my fault, okay? Maybe I just haven't talked about it enough. Maybe I haven't kept it in front of you enough. I don't know. Um, all I know is this, is that something has to change. Something has to change. Something's got to start changing tonight. Guys, look at me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the purpose of your life is very, very simple. Okay, here's the deal. The purpose of your life is this. Before you die, 
The purpose of your life is to go into all the world and to share Jesus with as many people as you possibly can. Guys, do you want to know why God didn't just save you and snatch you up into heaven at the moment you prayed for him to save you? It's because of this. Jesus goes, man, I've saved you. I died. I rose from the grave. I saved you. Now go out and tell as many people about me as you possibly can before I come back and I get you. Like, that's the purpose of your life. It's all life should be about, whether you're in school, whether you're playing sports, whether you're playing in the band, whether you're at your job, your club, your your sports team, whatever it is, the purpose of your life is nothing more than you making Jesus known to those who don't know him. And guys, if you're not loving people the way Jesus would love people, if you're not taking time out for the broken down, the hopeless, the hurting, if you are not opening your mouth and sharing how Jesus has changed your life with those who don't know him, um, look at me. You're wasting your life away. You're wasting your life away. So guys, here's what I'm doing. Tonight, I'm going to put a challenge in front of us all. And over the next several weeks, um, we're going to do things that we've never done before in this ministry. Um, We're going to do things that probably might be a little uncomfortable. We're going to do some things that you might go, has James absolutely lost his mind? Um, But I'm okay with that. We're going to pray the most ridiculous prayers as a ministry that we have ever prayed together. And we're just going to ask God to do things that only he could do. But I'm going to put a challenge in front of us, and it's this. Guys, let's quit wasting our lives on things that don't matter And let's start living our lives in the direction of those who need Jesus. And let's do everything we can to make him known to the world around us. And guys, I just want to crush that 23,000 number. I just can't be okay with it, man. Here's what it's going to mean for some of you. For some of you, um, you need to quit being so busy. Let, Let me just, okay, sell the Xbox, quit a club, stop playing on the sports team that you hate. Quit being so busy and make your life about sharing Jesus with the world. Some of you guys need to quit worrying about being so cool. Like, it's unbelievable to me the stories I'll hear of kids who say they know Jesus, and man, they will invite lost kids over to their house to drink with them, but they won't invite lost kids over to their house to share Jesus with them. And I don't understand it. And some of you guys need to put down popularity. You need to quit worrying about what other people think of you. Um, Here's another one. Some of you, I told you, I don't know what's going to come to my mouth. Um, Some of you guys need to quit taking so many stupid AP classes. Get your nose out of every flipping book you've buried it in. Spend time with people. Guys, life is not about A's and B's and college degrees. It's about you taking Jesus to the world. Guys. Some of you guys are clapping because you're like, James, please, God, talk to my parents and tell them to not let me take so many EP classes. Um, Guys, we've got to carve out space to live out our purpose. And maybe you're sitting here going, James, I, I already think you've lost 
your mind, but I'm okay with that, guys, because here's what I believe. Guys, I truly believe that there's nothing, nothing more important to live for than us going out and rescuing 23,000 students who would spend all of eternity separated from God if their lives were over tonight. And guys, that's what we've got to live for. If you go back to Matthew 28, Jesus makes it really easy. He goes, if you want to go out and you want to change the world, here's how you do it. And in Matthew 28, the first thing he says to us is this. He says, you've got to go. Go and make disciples. Guys, can I be honest with you? Um, Christianity, sharing the gospel, seeing people come to know Jesus, it's not about you and I sitting back and waiting on people to come to us. Like, Christianity is not about you going, okay, I'm not going to watch any rated R movies and I'm not going to cuss so that I can see if people will just ask me about Jesus. Like, dude, what's so different in your life, right? That's not how you reach the world with the gospel. Jesus goes, listen, it's your job to go. You go. You, as my follower, it's your job to step into the lives of those who don't know me and to share me with them. Get up and go, move, do something. Quit sitting there waiting on people to come to you. And maybe you're going, okay, that's great, James, so I'm supposed to go. What in the world do I say? What do I talk about? You talk about Jesus. What do you say? You share the gospel. Man, you tell your friends that there was this man who came to the earth who said he was God and he was going to rescue the world from their sins and somebody killed him and three days later he was alive again. And now, man, everything that he said in this book that was going to happen has happened. And he said, one day he's going to come back for us. And man, you've looked him in the eye and you go, man, let me tell you how that guy Jesus has changed my world. Man, let me tell you what he saved me from. Let me tell you how he's turned my life upside down. Let me tell you what's different in me because of him. That's what you say. And you go and you have those conversations with the people. Some of you, um, here's what this looks like. It means that you get up from your lunch table where you sit every day with all your friends and you go... And you sit at that lunch table with those kids that sit all alone every day that nobody likes. And you build a relationship there so that you could share Jesus. Um, for some of you kids in your school, you're the popular kids. Awesome. I was too. I wasted four years of high school doing nothing for the kingdom of God. All I cared about was being cool. Some of you guys are there. Some of you guys are seniors, and you have spent three and a half years doing nothing for the kingdom, and you've got a semester left to redeem your time. And I'm calling you out tonight. It's time for you to step up, man up, woman up, and spend the last semester of your high school career redeeming the past three and a half years that you've wasted. You've still got time. And it's time for some of you, man, the popular kids, it's time for some of you to go sit down with the other popular kids in school because you have their ear, they'll listen to you, and it's time for you to go to them and to share Jesus. You athletes, I was an athlete in high school, you know what I did in my locker rooms? I told dirty jokes, I, I, we talked about girls, it was disgusting. 
Never once did I walk into the locker room with my teammates and speak up about Jesus and how he changed my life. Some of you basketball players, football players, baseball, cheerleaders, whatever you are, it's your time to stand up and to go into your sports team and to speak up about how Jesus has saved you, has changed you, and how he wants to do the same in the others that you're walking through life with. For some of you guys that play in the band, take the trumpet out of your mouth and share Jesus. Put down the flute and share Jesus. Like guys, we've got to get up and go into the world that Jesus has rescued us from. Guys, that could go on and on and on and on and on. But the point is this. We've got to quit wasting time sitting around waiting for people to come to us. We've got to get intentional, and we've got to get up and take Jesus to those in need of him. Again, man, I, I know it's like to be a high schooler listening to messages like this. Going, James, everything sounds fantastic, um, but I just don't know if I can do that. That's hard. That's scary. People are going to think I'm weird. And here's what I'll say to you. The greatest thing that Satan uses against us as followers of Christ when it comes to sharing our faith with others is fear. He just gets us scared, man. He gets inside of our heads. Here's the good news. In Matthew 28, Jesus goes, dude, all authority on heaven and earth is mine. You know what Jesus is saying? He's going, I'm in control of everything. Like I have power over every single thing that exists. Every person that lives and breathes and moves. And he goes, because of that, go make disciples. Guys, we have a reason to be courageous. Why? Because Jesus is in control of everything. Guys, we don't have to be scared when we remember that Jesus has power over the people that we're about to share him with. Guys, this is what gives us courage. We don't do this on our own strength, man. He is in control. Jesus goes on, he says, not only do you go, he said, but you baptize. Not only do you go, but you baptize. Jesus tells us to go and to make disciples, and after a disciple has been made, he says we should baptize that person. Listen, I, I grew up in churches, and I'm not making a case one way or the other, okay? I'll, I'll get this out of the way. I grew up in a church where the preacher, he would kind of, at the end of a message, give an invitation, right? And everybody close their eyes, and um, if you pray this prayer with me, lift your hand. And if you lifted your hand, walk this aisle, fill this card out, and we're going to put you in front of everybody at the end of the service, and we're going to tell everybody your name and what decision you made, right? Maybe you grew up in a church like that. Um, I did. I'm not making a case for or against it saying, you know, it's right or wrong, whatever. Um, all I'm saying is here in the Bible, <laughs> Jesus goes, hey, if somebody comes to know me, baptize them. If somebody steps up after you've shared me with them and they say, man, I want that, I want to follow him, Jesus goes, um, I'm not looking for somebody to raise a hand or walk an aisle. If somebody becomes my disciple, baptize them. And their baptism will let everyone watching know that they are my follower. There's so many questions about baptism that float around out there. Here's what baptism simply is. Baptism is the way that you and I publicly identify ourselves with Jesus. Baptism is simply you and I standing before God and a group of people just like this to say that we are all in. 
Baptism is us climbing in a tub to say, man, we are dead to ourselves. We are alive in Christ. He has saved me, and I am handing the reins completely over to him. Guys, there are still places in the world today that if someone is publicly baptized, they are disowned by their families. They're kicked out of their caste system. Some are arrested, and others are put to death. You see, baptism is a big deal because it tells the world that we belong to Jesus and he is everything to us. So here's one of the things that we're going to do that we've never done before that's kind of outside the box, um, but I'm excited about it. Over the next several weeks, we're going to have several nights. If, if You probably can't see it right now because that curtain's in the way and it's dark over there, but we have a baptismal tub right there over on the side of, of that wall. And over the next several weeks, we're going to fill up that tub and we're going to baptize those students who've never been baptized before. And as we keep challenging you over the next several weeks to reach your friends, to live your lives in the direction of those who are lost, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to bring them here so that they can be baptized. And here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to be the one getting up there to baptize them. You are. You lead your friend to Christ, you're going to climb in that tub with him, and you're going to baptize that kid that you led to the Lord. I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it. Guys, it's time, and I said this backstage before we came out. I said, I'm so ready for you guys, the students, the ones sitting in the seats week after week. Um, I'm ready for you to take ownership of this thing. This thing does not rise or fall on James. It doesn't rise or fall on a worship leader. It doesn't rise or fall on our small group leaders. This rises and falls on Jesus. And I'm convinced, man, that if we'll pursue him and live him out and do things, man, with complete faith and trust in him, that we'll see him do things in our midst and in and through us that we've never seen him do before. And here's what my prayer is. Again, I told you I've been praying ridiculous prayers. I am literally praying that hundreds of students will step into that tub and make a public declaration that Jesus has saved them. And my hope is that many of you will stand right there beside them as the one who brought them to Jesus. That's my prayer. Jesus not only says to go and to baptize, but he says we've also got a responsibility to teach. We've got a responsibility to help others know how to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. Guys, here's what this means for you. You as a follower of Jesus, um, you know that I'm not the only guy called to help other people figure out what it looks like to be more like Jesus, right? Like it's not, oh, that's James's job. We'll bring our friends there. James can tell them how to be like Jesus. No, 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 no. That falls on your shoulders as much as it falls on mine. As a follower of Jesus, you make disciples, you baptize people, and you teach them everything you know about how to be like Jesus. So what that means for you is this, is that you've got a responsibility to learn for yourselves what it looks like to be like Jesus so that you can teach others. Guys, you've got to pick this book up and you've got to learn from it. You've got to make it a point. Like, dude, you make time to get in the gym. You make time to hang out with friends. You make time to play video games. You make time to watch TV. Make time for this book. Dude, PlayStations are going to burn up one day, man. Right? TV's going to be gone and over with. The Bible says that this will stand forever. It's eternal. 
get in this book and learn how to be like Jesus. Um, okay, I'll say some things that maybe you won't like, but I'm going to say them anyway. Um, some of you need to quit leaving on Sunday nights right before we do groups. I, I'm just being real with you. Um, those groups that we do out there, they're designed for you to do life with other people because becoming more and more and more and more and more like Jesus means that you do life with other people. It means that you sit under a godly adult and you learn from them and that you wrestle and that you struggle with things together as a group. Um, so here's the thing. Do your homework before you come. Don't ditch out on Sunday nights. You know, if you got something, you just have to. Okay, I get that. But quit leaving some of you. Some of you just leave because it's uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to. Dude, get over it, man. We got bigger things to worry about. People are lost and dying and going to hell, man. You want to go reach them? Team up with some people. Don't leave. Um, okay, I'm over that. Okay, uh, some of you, some of you next semester in January when we start signups for these again, you need to get in a growth group. I mean, it was great. We had like, I don't know, we averaged anywhere between 80 and 100 students this past semester in our courses where we taught you how to study the Bible, how to defend your faith. Um, we taught about the gospel. We taught about foundational things that you need to know, man, to grow in your walk with the Lord. Um, you know, w w before, before this semester, man, we started off with 300 students, right? So, okay, cool. We put about 80, 80 to 100 through these courses where we go, man, let, me, let us teach you how to be more like Jesus so that you can go into the world and live like him. Um, I'm like, okay, 30%, that might be good for some people. I'm just not satisfied with it. Some of you guys need to commit yourself. Give up whatever you're doing on a Wednesday night. Tell your coach you got to bug out early. Like, well, James, I won't get to play. Okay, dude, are you going to make it to the pros anyway? No, dude, just quit, right? I'm kidding. I love you all. Um, but, but really, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll leave it alone, I'll leave it alone. Um, but no, seriously, you need to carve out time so that you can understand what it looks like to be like Jesus, so that when you lead others to Jesus, you can teach them how to be more and more and more and more and more and more like him. Guys, if all you ever do is show up to reckless, to groups, and you learn some stuff, and you hear this book being taught, but you do nothing to put them into practice and you don't do anything to invest in the lives of others, guys, it has to change and it has to change now. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't want to lead a ministry full of spiritually fat teenagers who show up every week just to be fed and they do nothing. Like, I want to lead a ministry of students who go, man, I can't wait to get to reckless, I can't wait to do group, because I just want to hear, man, how can I be more like Jesus? How can I be more intentional? Because I can't wait to get back out there to make disciples, to share him, to teach others, to invest in the lives of others, to serve, to love like Jesus would love. Like, let's go do some work together, man. It's the body of Christ right here in Paulding and in Cobb County. Guys, that's what I'm interested in. Guys, here's the ultimate comfort that I'm going to leave you with, all right? Jesus goes, go out and do all that. Go baptize people, share the gospel, teach them everything I've, I've commanded you to follow. And he goes, and here's the cool thing, I'll be with you to the end of the age. 
Like, don't worry, because I'm going to be with you through it all. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at how this promise shaped the early believers, the early church, and how it should shape us. But in closing tonight, I just want to remind you of this unbelievable promise. Jesus didn't call us to go change the world on our own. He promised to be with us, and when he left, he sent his Holy Spirit to live inside every single one of us who know him as Lord and Savior. And that Holy Spirit, the Bible says, gives us power to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Guys, that's what gives us comfort. That's what gives us courage to live out what Jesus has called us to live out. And here's the thing. Guys, I can't even imagine what would happen if we really believed this and we just went for it? Like, can you imagine what would happen if we all left tonight and we said, okay, I really do believe that all authority is Jesus's. Like, I really do believe that he has authority over all of heaven, over all of earth. I really do believe that he is with me always, that his Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Like, I believe that. And so now, man, I I get the purpose of my life. Like, I really do believe that I only exist on this earth for one reason, and that's to share Jesus with as many people as I possibly can before my life is over. Like, guys, if you really believe that tonight... Can you imagine what would happen? Because I guarantee you our schools would look so different. Our sports teams would look so different. Our clubs at school would look so different. Our families would look so different. I guarantee you that every Sunday night, this place would be filled with teenagers that you've brought to Jesus here to worship and to learn and to do life with you and to do life with us together. Guys, I guarantee you, guarantee you, that many of you would stand alongside friends in that tub up there baptizing them that you never imagined would come to know Jesus. Guys, again, we're going to pray stupid prayers. Prayers like, God, save that kid at my school who's the hardest, most opposed, who hates Christ. Like, save that kid. Save that kid. Because, God, you save that kid, our whole school changes. And I can't imagine what would happen if you pray those prayers and if you'd be intentional about sharing your faith. I guarantee you there would be some of you standing in that tub with those kids that you prayed for because they came to know Jesus because you got intentional about taking Jesus to them. So here's the challenge. Let's just go do this. Like, let's just believe this book and let's Go do this. Let's crush that 23,000 number and let's be a part of a movement of God like we've never seen before. That's what I want. And again, like I said, either we're going to be on board and we're going to do this or you're going to get annoyed because I'm going to keep talking about this. We're going to keep praying for this. I'm just ready to see God blow the roof off of this place and do things that don't bring attention to anyone but Him. So here's what I want you to do. Um, Next week, next week, You be back here, and you bring your friends, and you reach out to those kids who haven't been to Reckless in a while, and you get them here, because next week, we're going to have a night where we talk about prayer, and we pray ridiculous prayers, and we're going to do things in this room to give you a picture of what it would look like if we really lived this out, and so I want you to make sure you're here. 
Next week is going to be one of those weeks where, again, you're going to walk in and you're going to go, what in the world's going on? We've never done anything like this before. Um, but we need you here and we need you on board.